This is the Mulberry Lane Show. The Mulberry Lane Show. Exclusive interviews, fun, music, celebrities. Your weekend getaway. Here's Mulberry Lane, Rachel, Bo, and Ellie Cat. Be a part of the family. Hey, it's Allie here along with your radio sisters, Rachel and Bo. Right. And it's time for the Mulberry Lane Show. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, glad you guys are along for the ride. Got an hour here of interviews, music, and fun. And couldn't be happier that you're here with us. And there's no one we'd rather spend this time with than you. Thanks for being here. Mm-hmm. All right, sisters, let's get to those guests. Let's do it. The Mulberry Lane Show's on Celebrity story songs You're gonna have it going on When we tell you who's stopping by now Up first, Al Petrelli, a music director of Trans-Siberian Orchestra The Trans-Siberian Orchestra is a multi-platinum selling band performing their rock operas all over the world. Every holiday season, they come through the heartland. This year is no exception. On November 16th, they'll be at the Mid-America Center in Council Bluffs. Tickets went on sale this weekend, so make sure you get yours because it's bound to be a sold-out show, as it usually is. Al's going to give you the scoop on this year's tour, how it's bigger and better than ever, and he'll also talk about how this year's tour is a tribute to founding member and visionary behind Trans-Siberian Orchestra, Paul O'Neill, who passed away earlier this year. Yes, Al stops by every year here on the Mulberry Lane Show. He loves catching you guys up with What's New, with TSO, gearing up for the rehearsals and the kickoff of their tour, and Al Petrelli loves keeping you guys in the loop of what's happening. Yes, your everyday friendly rock star. And bonus, he loves the Omaha Council Bluffs community. Got a lot of friends here. Okay, Allie, who's next? Well, up next is Matt Stansbury. He's a singer-songwriter, a soulful one at that, from Oklahoma. Now, he's got two simultaneous projects, so for all you overachievers, this is the guy for you. (laughs) He simultaneously did an album with his nine-piece band and a solo singer-songwriter acoustic album. So this guy takes on a lot. He's going to get into how he records the nine-piece band. What else does he get into, Allie? Well, Rachel, he talks about how Happy Accidents landed them to be featured on the PBS Sun Studio Sessions, which is airing right now across the country. Okay, Rachel, who's next? Yeah, Allie, then it's groundbreaking body-positive image model Emmy. She broke a lot of barriers in the modeling industry as the very first plus-size supermodel. Now, she's got a brand-new project out all about positive body image. Yes, Rachel, Emmy has a new pretty cool documentary out, Straight Curve on the FX channel. That's E-P-I-X. Check it out and then have some candid conversations with people around you about body image and the pressure on women today. Cheers to Emmy for helping to bring all of that to light. Yes, great job, Emmy. Well, before this train leaves the station, Allie, your world turned a little blue this week, right? <laughs> Let me tell you about it, guys. I was making dinner earlier this week. So my four-year-old daughter, Clover, she loves to play in water and put her baby dolls in there. Oh, she's in that phase. Yes, she is. So as I was making dinner, she said, Mom, can I have a bowl of water to put some of my toys in? And I thought, sure, this will keep you busy. So I gave her a bowl of water and I got busy making dinner. And the next thing I know, I peeked over at her. She didn't have a baby doll in there. She had a lot of little pieces of paper and the water was very dark blue. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. So I, I got over 
over closer and I realized that she had found some Easter egg dye. And she put the tablet in there. And her hands were just like totally blue. And so I said, well, Clover, let's go wash your hands. And the soap did not take any of the blue out. And she kind of freaked out. And she looked at her hands like on the back and on the front. And she just burst into tears. And she said, Mommy, I don't want my hands to stay blue forever. (laughs) I got nail polish remover. And that wouldn't do anything. And then I got alcohol pads. And that wouldn't do anything. And then, of course, I called our mom, and I said, what takes out Easter egg dye? And she's like, vinegar. So I put vinegar on. Oh, and that smells so Oh, yeah. But it took it off, like, very slowly. But I did learn that the next time she says, Mommy, can I have a bowl of water? I have to say, okay, show me exactly what you're putting in there. Good idea, Allie. (laughs) Another mom lesson learned the hard way. (laughs) Yes. All right, well, guys, stay right there. We'll be right back with Al Petrelli from Trans-Siberian Orchestra. He'll be hitting all the blue notes here on the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. Music, celebrities, and everything in between. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Thanks for keeping it here on the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. Well, tickets just went on sale for Trans-Siberian Orchestra's rock opera, Ghosts of Christmas Eve, coming to the Mid-America Center in Council Bluffs on Thursday, November 16th. Now, Al Petrelli, music director, is here once again to tell you what you can expect from this year's extravaganza and how the tour will pay tribute to founder and creative visionary behind TSO, Paul O'Neill, who passed away earlier this year. Welcome, welcome to the show, Al Petrelli. My day is better now. Every time I hear you guys sing that to me, and it's been a couple years in a row, it just makes my heart smile. Ladies, how are you? It's so good to hear your voices. It's so good to hear your voice, too, Al. Now, you guys, you know, you decided to go on with the show after Paul's untimely death. So how difficult a decision was that for you and and everybody involved? There was no decision involved, to be honest with you. Um, You know, Paul and his family have been at the helm of this ship for 23 years now. Paul always spoke about Walt Disney and how Disney would continue on and be bigger and better and greater after his uh, passing. Um, You know, Paul always said that, you know, he wants TSO to live 100 years past, you know, when we leave this planet. You know, I don't think any of us were counting on that 100-year clock to start ticking this year, though. I mean, so on a business level, there was no conversation. There was no discussion about it. I mean, you know, with with Paul's wife and daughter and, and the immediate family in charge, with our management team, with our department heads, with, you know, everybody involved. Never even crossed our minds because we know that Paul, that's what he wanted. This had to go on, yeah. You know, he wanted his art, his music, what he created uh, to live forever, and and that it shall. And then did he have things in place so that it was kind of easy to continue? Uh, Well, certainly musically and and production-wise and all those things. You know, listen, you guys know Paul was a workaholic. He was always five, six years down the road. You know, like, I didn't know what I was doing this morning. (laughs) You know, he was already, like, into the year 2021, you know. So that part of it is very simple. I mean, there's an incredibly large uh, body of work ready to be completed. You know, the tours, the production had been talked about, sketched out, designed. 
years prior to every downbeat we do. Wow. So I, I think, you know, we're in great shape. I mean, on a business level, on a professional level, absolutely. On a personal level, starting yeah. with his wife and his daughter, I, I couldn't imagine what they're going through. And me, who's been over his right shoulder for 23 years now, I mean, you know, it's devastating. But everybody goes through some sort of loss. It's how you deal with that loss, I think, is what defines yeah. us later on. Al Petrelli, Music Director of Trans-Siberian Orchestra, here on the Mulberry Lane Show. This year's show, Ghosts of Christmas Eve, you know, there is a level of tribute to Paul. And, you know, every year he wanted things bigger and better. So what are people in store for this year? Well, you know, historically every year has gotten bigger and better now. You know, we've been having this conversation for several years in yes. a row now, ladies. And I've always told you this year is bigger than it was <laughs> last year. And, I don't, and I've never disappointed anybody. I've never bent the truth. It's always been. Paul's vision every year got bigger. Paul's family's vision every year got bigger. Uh, the department heads always have like a daunting task in front of them, and they always pull it off. Production will be bigger. There'll be more lights. There'll be more lasers, more pyro. The story, The Ghost of Christmas Eve, will be played in its entirety, okay. like it was the last couple of years. But the front of the show musically will be different, and the back of the show musically will be okay. different. I mean, that's kind of the template that we follow. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same, but it's different, and no matter what, it's going to be bigger. Uh-huh. So and you had been in talks for this show with Paul before he passed as well. We talked about it. I mean, when we were in rehearsal in, in Council Bluffs last year, we were sitting in his dressing room, and we're always chatting about it. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, I think what amazed Paul... You know, it's like being a proud parent. He and his family had a newer addition to their family, which was this child, if you will, or the story that goes to Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting down watching, you know, like the sheer look of joy and pride in Paul's eyes when he realized that so many people have embraced his story and fallen in love with his story. And one of the things he didn't realize in the front of it, but somewhere around tour time last year, is that everybody inserted their own situation into Paul's story. Everybody misses somebody at Christmas. Right. You know, I mean, in his story, in a very Frank Capra-esque manner, as usual, Paul told the tale of a young teenage runaway who seeks shelter in an old abandoned theater on Christmas Eve. She misses her parents. Her parents miss her. Neither side knows what the fight was about. They just know that they all want to be back together. Okay. Mm-hmm. Everybody misses somebody. Everybody wants to reach out and pick up the phone and talk to somebody that they haven't spoken to for whatever the reasons. Mm-hmm. And it just rang true. And it struck a nerve with everybody in the arena and anybody who's been privy to the show before. That's why we'll continue to do it. Right. And, and even honest, more so with and his it means, loss. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And it even means that much more now. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, it didn't mean enough before. You know, mm-hmm. this year, you know, it's certainly, like, on a whole different level of poignant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really curious, once the shows start for you, you know, I'm sure they will resonate on an even deeper level for you. I think for everybody involved, I mean, you know, yeah. for the folks on the stage, for the folks underneath the stage, behind the stage, again, for his family back home, uh, for the folks in the audience, there's people in that arena who have been with us for many, many years now. And you know me, I have a lot of friends at Omaha and Council Bluffs. Oh, I mean, yes. you know, uh, you guys, and, you know, my coach Mick Doyle and his whole mm-hmm. staff over at his gym. I mean, so many people. Uh, you know, it's hard to walk into Sullivan's restaurant, yes. you know, and not say, hey, how's it going? How you been? How's the family? You know, I, this hit everybody really hard. Oh, yeah. And yet everybody's so thankful, as I am, to the family to just let the legacy continue to live on. Mm-hmm. And everyone's doing their part to pick up and go on. Absolutely. Listen, at the end of the day, you know, Paul went from the front. All I heard was, you know, come on, guy, let's go. 
You know, I, I mean, eight years ago, he watched me break my leg in, in the opening night in Council Bluffs, yes. and he looked at me, and goes, "You okay?" I'm like, "Yeah, dude, it's only a leg. We'll be fine." You know, we, we didn't know how not to do this, so right. I'll hear his voice in my left ear for the rest of my life. I'll hear ringing in my right ear, but I'll hear pull on my left. <laughs> well, we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more from Al Petrelli, music director of Trans Siberian Orchestra, coming through the Heartland, November sixteenth. Tickets are on sale now. Get yours before they're gone. When we come back, you'll hear more from Al Petrelli about Trans-Siberian Orchestra and carrying on the legacy of Paul O'Neill. Keep it right here with your radio sisters on The Mulberry Lane Show. on your radio station. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Thanks for keeping it here on the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. You're hearing from the music director of Trans-Siberian Orchestra, Al Petrelli, talking about the upcoming performance at the Mid-America Center in Council Bluffs. The Ghost of Christmas Eve will be passing through the heartland November 16th. Tickets are on sale now. The show is carrying on the legacy of its founding member and visionary, Paul O'Neill, who passed away earlier this year. Let's get back with Al of Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Paul was such a force of creativity musically, but he also had the whole business side of this music thing figured out, too. That brilliance was so prevalent. Well, he did. I mean, Paul had been involved in the music business since, I think, 1978. Okay, so that's, I guess, about 40 years of being a student of of the business. And his wife is an incredible businesswoman as well. So those two together were just unstoppable. The interesting thing about business is that, you know, if you're that good at it like both of them were or are, that's awesome. But when you create something that... You know, you don't have to hard sell. You don't have to really right. market. It sells you know, itself, yeah. It kind of sells itself. So that combination, that perfect storm, is why you and I are uh, having this conversation today. You know, they created something amazing, an art form that didn't exist before. And the whole family, you know, Paul and everybody involved worked really diligently to make sure that, you know, it stays focused and it stays on course. Yeah. Now, when you first met Paul, did you feel this about him? Paul and I met in 85, okay. you know, and, and I was very aware of who he was and what he had uh, accomplished, uh, starting with his work, um, you know, producing the Aerosmith Live albums and his involvement in management and promotion and songwriting and record okay. production. So I was well aware of who this man was. Ten years later is when we started working together, and it's not until you develop that relationship, the intimacy of being in a studio, creating something or playing guitar on his track or he and I talking about the concept behind the songs. When he explained to me the story behind Chris, received 1224 okay i looked at it was like wow that's like really really deep uh he saw things in a different way he he read things in a different way and he uh, imagined things in a much okay. different way way past my ability uh-huh. and yeah i knew i was around somebody very special pretty much from that moment uh-huh. on. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. well i read your quote in usa today where you said that paul always said that his version of hell would be that you meet the person that you've become paul's so- definition of hell is when you die uh-huh 
you meet the person you could have been. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yeah. And there's nothing worse in life than wasted talent. Right. And, and, and not realizing your own potential, you know. And Paul pulled it out of himself, and Paul pulled it out of everybody that he surrounded himself with. And if you ever had the privilege of just sitting down and spending 30 seconds with him, you knew he was on a whole different level. And uh, he was one of a kind, and he'll be missed for the rest of my life. And, and again, always going back to his wife and his daughter and the immediate family. All prayers and thoughts to them first. That is what it is. Yeah. Now, TSO, you guys also lost basis, Dave Z, in an accident this year yeah. as well. Again, one of these tragedies that you can't explain. I mean, there's no explaining this one. You could say wrong place at the wrong time, a freak accident, all those things. I mean, that sounds very nice in discussion, but no parent should ever have to bury their child. Yeah. And Daisy was just, he was the sweetest, happiest, go-lucky kid I'd ever met in my life. He was just happy playing his bass, being a great musician. There's so many things, never had a bad word to say about anybody. You know, he was always so happy, you almost wanted to smack him in the head and say, okay, be miserable for five minutes, would you please, because this ain't normal. <laughs> you know? But he was always, from the moment you saw him in the morning until the moment you said goodnight to him, you know, he was just like a ball of energy. And again, you know, tragedies like this come up, life punches you square in the face, and you don't know what hit you. You got broadsided. Yeah. You know, I had a, a wonderful relationship with him for, you know, 16 or 17 years. He's a great musician, a great performer, just a great dude. But again, you know, you always have to go and, and just wonder, you know, his mom, his dad, and his brothers, and the yeah. immediate family. I mean, God forbid anybody should ever feel that pain and that horror. Yeah. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Al Petrelli, music director of Trans-Siberian Orchestra, talking about the upcoming performance and the loss of the founding member and visionary Paul O'Neill and bassist Dave Z. And how they're continuing on with the legacy and the tour. So now, are you guys rehearsing in Council Bluffs again this year? Yes, ma'am. We're coming home in a couple weeks. Okay. How will this tour be for you? How emotional will this be? Probably very. Um, and you probably you know, don't I, even know the extent of how it will no. be until you're up on that stage. To be honest with you, I mean, you know, I live up in the mountains of Pennsylvania with my family, and there's probably not an hour that goes by that I don't think of Paul because there's, there's so many, you know, reminders and mementos and everything in my home is, is because of yeah. the work that I've done for him and with him. He's always on my mind. You know, you don't lose somebody like that and not think about them all the time. But every time I go down to the studio in Tampa, every time I go to the office in New York, Every time I'm on the phone with, you know, his wife, his daughter, our managers, it comes rushing back. You know, I mean, speaking to you guys on the phone about it today, you know, it's it's not the easiest thing in the world I'm to talk sure. about this. But I, I couldn't even give you a description of what it potentially could feel like coming back to Omaha, mm-hmm. you know, and getting into that hotel and, you know, loading into the Mid-America Center. All the memories, uh, yeah. All the, all the memories. I mean, you know, I, listen, this is what we've been doing for, for almost half of my life. You know, to walk on stage and perform these songs, I, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I know that, again, I'll always, for the rest of my life, hear Paul's voice saying, listen, whatever is on your mind, leave it at the side of the stage because it'll be there for you to pick it up on the way off the stage. You know, the folks in your community are there to see a spectacular show. A lot of people in the audience may know what went on, maybe some don't, but I want to have an evening of jubilance, of celebration, of rejoicing. I want to put on a great show. I want you guys to have the best first show ever like we did last year. You know, so the whole show is a tribute to them. Right, and that's what Paul wants. That's exactly, you know, he's not going to make it about him, or I should say, I don't think he would have made it about him, but every, everybody knows how selfless he was and how he just wanted everybody in that audience to have the best time of their lives. He would probably be very upset if it were anything less... 
I have yeah. to agree with you, and more importantly, I know you know those are his family's thoughts and wishes as well. So I just know that we're going to go out there, and every note, every lyric, every pyro hit, you right. know, will be in his honor and the, the legacy that he and the family created, and we'll carry on. Yeah, it'll be something else because it'll also have a, I think, a new depth as well. Yes, ma'am. And what do you hope people take away after they leave Ghosts of Christmas Eve show? I hope they uh, they take away this year what people in the past have taken away. You know, they listen to the story, they listen to the words, and they're touched by it, and they're moved by it, and maybe they pick up the phone and they call somebody that they haven't spoken to. You know, uh, we're never guaranteed of a tomorrow. You know, so whatever it is that you need to accomplish today, make sure it's accomplished before you close your eyes at night. You know, always tell somebody you love them. Always kiss your loved ones goodnight. And don't stay mad. It really ain't worth it. You know, it's not. You know, don't live your life with any regret because, you know, death is about as finite and non-negotiable as it gets. Yes. And before we let you go, Al, how's your family? Oh, my God. (laughs) The best. best. My house, I swear, right now looks like Toys R Us on Black Friday. (laughs) Well, that's the way it should be, right? I left my daughter downstairs for 10 minutes, and I turned around, and it looks like it's Thomas the Train explosion in the living room. Olivia, who's six now, just started school two weeks ago, and she's just every day a fashionista going to school. I bet. Uh, My three older boys are just fabulous, and my wife is the best thing ever, so thank you so very much asking okay well Alex always great to catch up with you and our hearts are with you on this tour and the visionary that Paul was you know he has inspired us as you do every year when we chat with either one of you guys uh, well thank you for saying so and listen I hope we can have our annual lunch together yeah, I think we'll do that. Uh, let's make sure because you know we have a lot more to talk about and all my love to you guys and the families and everything and thanks for taking time out to talk to me today likewise Al. Al Petrelli, music director of Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Mark the date, November 16th. That's when they'll be coming through the heartland to the Mid-America Center in Council Bluffs. Tickets on sale now. When we come back, it's soulful singer-songwriter from Oklahoma City, Matt Stansberry. Stay right here with your radio sisters on The Mulberry Lane Show. Music, arts, and lifestyle. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Thanks for keeping it here on the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. Well, Matt Stansberry is a busy guy. Now, this Oklahoma native is simultaneously releasing an album with his nine-piece band, Matt Stansberry and the Romance, and a solo acoustic rock album. Now, the set together is called Past Heartache, Present Hope, and Future Love. So you're going to hear all about Matt's musical journey right now and then catch the band in action at Duffy's Tavern in Lincoln on the 28th as part of Lincoln Calling. Welcome, welcome to the show, Matt Stansberry. Hey, happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, great to have you. Okay, so now this is a two-album set you're getting ready to release. First, talk about the Future Love album. Now, this is the one with the nine-piece band. This is kind of equal parts blues, R&B, and funk. So who's behind the sound? I don't think you can attribute it to any one person. It's definitely a collective 
you know, I write the songs and have a vision for them, but it's interesting having everybody's take on them and everybody kind of brings their unique gift to the table and it's kind of created our sound. It's okay. definitely a collaboration. Now you have a whole horn section too. We do, yep. We have a trombone, sax, and trumpet. Now your brother is also part of the band, so what's the brother relationship like? We've been playing music together in different capacities, in different ways, and written songs together for maybe 20 years or so. Okay. Like, probably like you guys, I mean, you just have that instinct and you kind of can finish each other's sentences. Yep. So he brings the best out of me and hopefully I can return the favor, but he's an older brother and he's just really helped kind of mentor ideas and been a big advocate for me. It's a pretty amazing relationship. Awesome. Now, do you get along most of the time? Totally. We're both intense and have passionate ideas that don't always line up, and we'll express that, but we get along extremely well. We just have different opinions on just about everything most of the time, but we always line up and we have a lot of respect for each other. Yeah, it's just like we don't mind having those conversations. So now, how do you go about recording that nine-piece band? Okay, so we do all the rhythm section stuff live, so we'll have keys, bass, drums, guitars and everybody gets in a room and we do kind of like a one take and then typically there's like no edits or anything then we usually do the horns next and then we track vocals on so it's just really those kind of three pieces and then there's usually not a whole lot of overdubs outside of what we capture in those sort of three things that's our system and it seems to work pretty well for us you're listening to singer-songwriter and oklahoma native matt stansbury here on the mulberry lane show well, the solo album is more of an acoustic type thing. So what was the decision to simultaneously release these albums? You know, I've been asked that. It sounds horrible. <laughs> I don't really have a good explanation of how this even happened. I'm like, at one point, there was just a lot of music, and it was all getting done sort of at the same time. And then it, towards the end, it became intentional. Like, let's just release these together. And the reason why we wanted to release them together, is the beauty of it is it features band members on every track. Now, as a songwriter, when you're writing a song, do you know whether it's going to end up more of a band song or a solo song? Or do you wait till it takes shape? It's instant. And it's not intentional. My head just immediately goes to like, oh, this is perfect. I'm going to bring this to the band. Typically with solo songs these days, I don't do anything with, but I usually just kind of put them to the side and go, oh, I'll come back to that maybe some other time. (laughs) (laughs) And then that initial idea, how do you get it down? Do you sometimes record on your iPhone? How do you capture it? Yeah, I used to really sit down even like try to write stuff. Nowadays, I just realize it's always there and it's the stuff floating around. And so... My job is to sort of pull it down. So most of the time, I'm not even at an instrument when I'm writing. It just comes in my head, and then I just sing some little ideas on my phone, and then I come back and go, okay, what is this, you know? Yep, and sometimes it sounds really good, and other times, maybe not so much. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. What was I thinking? You hear it back, and you were like, wow, I must have been really, like, sleepy or totally out of it. Totally, yeah. I'm like, I'd be, like, mortified if people, like, found these. I I know. If they played through your iPhone voice memos. They should be committed. Okay, Okay, so now you guys were part of the PBS Sun Studio Sessions, that concert series. So how did that come about, and what was that like recording that? Yeah, that was really cool. So I feel like this band's like full of happy accidents. That's one of them. Um, We went to tour Sun Studio when we played a show in Memphis maybe a year and a half or so ago. We were there, and they were just like, hey, who are you guys? Because you guys look like a group. We're like, we're a band. They said, give us a CD, and we'll give you a free tour. So we're like, cool. Gave them the CD. We go to the tour, and I guess they had opened it and started playing it, which we didn't know. So they kind of come in and go, hey, are you guys we're listening to? We're like, yeah. They're like, we want you guys to record here. We really liked what we heard. Um, can you guys do something? We want to do a PBS Sun session, and we also want you guys to record and do your own thing. So we ended up doing two nights. We did our own EP, and then we did the PBS Sun session. Yeah, we formed a really good relationship with those guys, two of them. So Plez Hampton and Curry Weber 
they ended up helping us do this new record as well. So okay. we did the PBS stuff with them, and they helped executive produce and engineer this new record. So what did they bring to this project? So they helped us line up uh, recording at Ardent in Memphis, which is also another legendary studio. They did, like, Zeppelin overdubs there and ZZ Top and all sorts of Stax record stuff, and there's tons of history there as well. And Plaza's dad, John Hampton, had a history of working there for years, decades. But we really fell in love with the studio when we did a visit there, and it made sense for this record we were wanting to make. And we got in there with them, and we just had a great experience working with them at Sun and their approach creatively and how Curry engineered. He's a phenomenal engineer. Cool. So we just felt it was like, let's do this again with these guys. It yeah. made a lot of sense. A so, lot of happy accidents. Exactly. Again, yeah. It was just, now, you yeah, guys are um, known for your live shows. So what can people expect from the show on the 28th at Duffy's Tavern in Lincoln? You know, there's always a lot of energy. The thing with us is we plan and we get real detailed. And then when we get on stage, some of it goes out the window. And it's always a good thing. We yeah. kind of always just feel out the room. So there's a lot of spontaneity with what we do. I love um, that's kind of something that our fans have kind of grown to sort of know about us. And, and the band itself is always kind of laugh is like, I didn't know you were going to do that today. And you keep it fresh for each other, too. Yeah. Expect the unexpected. Okay. There you go. I like so it. So what's next for you guys? So we have our hometown release show on September 30th. We're doing it at Tower Theater. It's real iconic in Oklahoma City. And okay. this is like their first real full season of having shows. And so we're just super excited to be on the bill. We have a string of other release shows throughout the region. Our next thing is continuing to play live and grow through Texas and Missouri and Kansas, Oklahoma, and just the areas that we've Cultivated. been touring around the last yeah. few years. Yeah. Awesome. Being from Omaha, for us, a lot of times when we're traveling or touring, people will accidentally say, oh, you guys are from Oklahoma, and they'll get Omaha mixed up with Oklahoma. <laughs> so do you guys, yeah. do you ever get asked if you're from Omaha? Or not? Never. Okay. That's hilarious. So it just That's must go the I've other way. I've never experienced it yet. It's a one-way street. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's good to know. I've always wanted to know. Yeah, it is. Okay, well, Matt, you're going to have to come back and visit with us on the next project. And we love hearing about your musical journey. Oh, thanks so much. It was a pleasure. Matt Stansbury. Catch him when he swings through the heartland on September 28th at Duffy's Tavern in Lincoln as a part of Lincoln Calling. Keep hanging out with your radio sisters here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Be back with iconic and groundbreaking supermodel, Emmy. Here's Matt Stansbury. I put my whole life in the bottle and watched it float away. Watched it flow gently over the water, reaching the shore of a brighter day. Hope they receive my messages, hope that they will know what to do. I put my whole life, yeah I put my whole life I put all my hope in a bottle And send it on its way Watched it flow gently over the water Reaching the shore of another day Hope they will read my messages Hope that they will know what to do I put all my hope Music, arts, and lifestyle. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. 
Well, you're about to meet a supermodel who has been named one of the most important women in America and has been honored as one of Glamour Magazine's Women of the Year. She is Emmy, the world's first curvy supermodel, advocating for women of all shapes and sizes to feel empowered and beautiful. Well, you're going to find out today about her super busy life with podcasts, books, lectures, and her latest project, the Epic's original documentary, Straight Curve which looks at society's often unrealistic beauty standards and the damaging effect it has on women. You're hanging out today with Emmy. Emmy, curvilicious, supermodel, and oh-so-vicious. You guys are the best. I have to, like, tape that and play it every time I wake up. <laughs> we'll send it to you. It's great to have you on the show, oh, Emmy. It's so nice being on the show with you guys. Thank you so much. You're in Nebraska? Yes, we, we are. are. So yes. right in the middle oh, of the country. <laughs> okay, oh, now, Straight Curve is such an important documentary. How did this come about, and how did you become involved? Thank you so much. I couldn't agree with you more. And the way that I got involved was Jenny McQuayle and Jess Lewis, the director-producers, came to me and said, we're thinking about shedding light on why and what is standing in the way of more diversity in the fashion industry. And we want to blow out the misconceptions around health in that all fat is bad and the use of BMI as a standard of health measurement, mm -hmm. which is really archaic. Hello, yes. hello. Yep. And that, you know, to shed light that eating disorders are the number one killer of any psychiatric diagnosis. Wow. And on top of all that, to stop the shame and the guilt and the fear of fat so that women who are above a size 12 don't have to live crouched and, you know, not yes. trying to shine or walk into rooms with their shoulders back. This is what this film is about. It's definitely a conversation piece. Uh -huh. And the cool thing is, is that women that do, you know, girlfriend getaways or, you know, have girlfriend groups, moms, daughters, husbands, wives, families are getting together on Wednesday night at 8 p.m. to watch this together to have more of a discussion about what is beauty, why do we feel the way we feel, and how can we possibly help the change right. today and last. And you have been at this, chipping away oh, at the wow. industry, trying to make sure that, you know, there is more inclusion. As the first curvy model 20 years ago, what was that time like and what kept you going? Okay, very quickly, it was really hard. Yeah, I, I can imagine. <laughs> I bet. It was really, really hard, but if I hadn't been a reporter before, I was an on-air reporter for okay. NBC affiliate uh -huh. in Arizona, I walked into this already having had that, and I didn't realize what a story I had okay. by the prejudice and the put-downs and the photographers not wanting to work with you, the pay disparity, and what kept me in mm -hmm. was knowing that if I went away, the big bug in the ear would be gone. Right. And so I kept on talking and communicating, and People Magazine twice voted me as 50 of the most beautiful people, giving me an incredible platform, platform. before yeah. social media. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, amazing. So then at what point in this did you realize you had actually taken on the fashion industry? 
in 94, then I had a TV show, and I think okay. that when the pain of not changing is greater than the change itself, that's when you change. And that's where we are okay. 20 years later, yeah. where the fashion industry is being shaken to its core, and businesses are saying, what happened? Mm-hmm. Where are they? Mm-hmm. Well, if you've been putting down women, this is not just women who are above a size 12. This is a women's issue. Yeah. If you put down women, they're not going to want to be able to buy your product or stand up for you. If you love her and you embrace her and you show her beauty and the diversity that it is, which you'll see in the straight curve film, you will get her. Right. You will have her, but mm-hmm. serve her well because you're not going to take from her anymore. Yeah. That's it. I love that. Yeah. Well, right now you're listening to the Mulberry Lane Show, and we have groundbreaking supermodel Emmy. She's known as the first curvy supermodel, and she's in the new documentary Straight Curve on Epics, which focuses on society's unrealistic beauty standards on women and girls. Now, growing up, did you have a feeling that you had a larger purpose in life, or did this just happen? When I look back at all the challenges that I had around my body and the way that others felt about my body and me being a big loud mouth. <laughs> Which is what it takes. Deeply, yeah, but deeply philosophical. I was very spiritual as a young child. Okay. I was deeply connected to God. I just allowed what was presented to me and I just stepped into those okay. opportunities. You know, I look back and go, gosh, it's crazy that you have to go through such challenging times. But the face of knowing that it can't just be happening for happenstance. I got that message very early on. That it was something bigger than you. Yeah, that it's not just about me. Mm -hmm. And thank goodness I'm still, I'm in my 50s now. I'm learning about that now, still. And I think I'm always going to be a work in progress. You know, even like I tell kids, walk into opportunities. It might not be the straight and narrow road. You're going to go on that crooked path, and it always leads to where you're supposed to be. But you have to learn certain lessons to be able to communicate with experience, to communicate with compassion, and don't be afraid to be vulnerable. That's it. That's a tough one. Don't go for fear. Go for love. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it. Mm -hmm. Now, just before we let you go, how do you recognize if someone is suffering from an eating disorder or a body image disorder? So I'm going to say that you're going to hear from the CEO of NIDA, Claire Misko, and NIDA is the National Eating Disorders Association, and you can go online to their website, mynida.org. You can check out what are the signs of an eating disorder. They have all okay. that information there, and I would rather, with the short amount of time that we have for people yeah. to go online there, check out straightcurvefilm.com because there's going to be information there as well, and if you have any any friends or any loved ones that you have a feeling that might be going through a little bit of a body image issue, men or women, this is not just a female issue. Yeah, it's true. Go and bring them together. Epic Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Check it out. And you can obviously go into epics.com and go and check it out again. Let this be this vehicle conversation to get some of the conversations started. that yes. you want to. Yeah, exactly. Okay, exactly. your advocacy is so positive and empowering. Where can people learn more about you, Emmy? It's Emmy Style, E-M-M-E Style.com. Sign up for my newsletter. I have a bunch of different things happening over the next few months. And I'm just coming back in the industry. My little one is now 15. And she's modeling. uh, She's doing a bit of modeling. Yeah, Yeah. she's really good. She's so much better than I am. I'm not kidding. (laughs) You know, it's really cool to see that grow. Well, Emmy, we want to thank you so much for bringing your important message, your important work, and girl power to the show today. Thank you so much. 
go power! Yeah! <laughs> All right, Emmy, there's a chair here for you anytime you want to come back. Thank you so much, and thank you for my little song, and that was amazing. Oh, you're, oh, you're welcome. welcome. Well, it was supermodel and all-around healthy image advocate, Emmy. And gorgeous, too. Gotta love her. Emmy, thanks for joining the show, bringing this important topic. Make sure you guys stream Straight Curve on Epics and Emmy. We'll chat with you on your next project. Who else do we need to thank, girls? Well, from Trans-Siberian Orchestra, the music director, Al Petrelli, stopped by. Al, thanks once again for your yearly visit. We always love catching up with you, what's new with the orchestra, and how this year's tour is dedicated to the ultra-talented Paul O'Neill. Going to be a special tour this year, and Al, thanks for making us a part of it. Nicely said, Rachel. And finally, we've got to thank Matt Stansbury for stopping by. Matt's from Oklahoma, and he told you guys today all about his double album that just came out, Past Heartache, Present Hope, and Future Love. He's got it all covered. Yeah. Matt, it's fun hanging out with you today. We'll see you on PBS. All right, well, guys, you know where we're going to be next weekend, and you better be here, too. Bo, stay happy and stay blessed. Allie, don't forget to be awesome. Rachel, that's a wrap. Woo! Yeah.